Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Uh, we have got NFL superlatives coming up here very shortly week 13 as we take a look back at what we've got before we start to look ahead to the upcoming weekend but dad i did think it was interesting we were talking in the last segment about the college football transfer portal and the fact that we've already got over a thousand players officially entered into the transfer portal on monday and that's when the window opened right when you look at the transfer portal right now the cfp uh the transfer portal opened december 4th and goes until right. january 2nd this time around there's also the window in the spring there and jesse accurately pointed out that this looked like boy math given the sheer volume of players that were already in the portal and it's a good time to remind everybody there were already some names in there because of another rule that exists in college sports where if your coach leaves is either fired or takes a different job the 
the transfer portal opens immediately for the players on that team. It's a bit of added protection for guys that are subject to coaching changes. And so that's why the boy math is boy math and it's ass off in this situation, dad, because, and this is the part of it where people malign this rule or lament how college football has changed. This is the part of it that I enjoy the most is because it is added protection for something that for so long players had no ability to combat. You right. were buying a so- bill of goods that you were sold, and then all of a sudden when that changed, you had no recourse to get out of there if you weren't a graduate student. Yeah, you just wonder, too, uh, when coaches nowadays, when coaches are taking another job, do they pull their star players over aside and say, hey, you know, I'm heading over to this school, you know, feel free. You know, let me hold that portal door open for you <laughs> as you step through. Uh, so, yeah, and, and we keep talking about the NFL, four to seven head coaching jobs available every year. We, we, the amount in college is huge, and we only usually hear about the big jobs in college, but there are a lot of jobs in college that change every year. So there, that, and there's 85 scholarships per team, and every one of them can transfer for a coach that leaves. So, Jesse, there you go. That's, that's why this number is so big right now that November 26th, a whole lot of players who lost their coach jumped into the portal. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was very confused so thank you for clarifying gentlemen appreciate it yeah you know what and i'm sure you are not alone in that because this is all a brave new world like every year we are in an information gathering mode in college football right now so much has changed all at once we're still learning about this process it's still evolving and changing and the next item on that frontier is no doubt going to be bowl season but the next item on our to-do list is week 13 in the nfl in the rearview mirror we've got superlatives from this last weekend dad and let's start with this one and really kind of use it as a springboard to coach of the year because our coach of the week who got the most attention from week 13 this idea was spurred all credit to mina kimes and her podcast for giving some love to a guy in shane steichen who's probably not going to win coach of the year but has done an exemplary job with a colts team that seems to be in playoff position right now mostly because i thought about this yesterday dad remember that travis hunter quote unfortunately the florida state quarterback who broke his leg and was injured for the last two games as florida state left on the outside looking into the college football playoff he said, I wish I had broken my leg earlier so that the committee and the nation could have seen how deep the rest of this roster was, how great the rest of this team was. Anthony Richardson getting hurt as early as he did did allow this Colts team to adjust a lot faster than some of its AFC counterparts who are having to trot out backups now at this point in the season and having to adjust in November and December as opposed to the Colts who are now running an offense that Gardner Minshew is tailored to him and have made that switch at a time that allows them to, I think, be in as good a position as you could hope for one of the nine teams in the AFC potentially trotting out backups to actually make a playoff push down the stretch here and hold your spot in this dance. Yeah, it's been impressive because uh, other people we want to talk about, uh, Matt LaFleur, uh, D'Amico Ryan, who I think is going to be uh, the coach of the year. I mean, for what he's doing with Houston. Shane yeah. um, Steichen's the only one doing it right now with a backup quarterback out of those. If I'm going to lean toward who got my attention this week, I might lean toward Matt LaFleur. So Green Bay, you know, there was a while where they were like, uh-oh, is, is Love going to be the right guy? Right? Is this going to be our guy? Now he is playing incredibly well. They're making a playoff push without question in the NFC North. And, and that's going to be their quarterback. <clears throat> what Shane Steichen is doing with Gardner is, is fantastic. But we know the job's going back to Anthony Richardson. So, which may, in all honesty, may make it even more impressive that they're doing it with a backup. But it would be a rookie right now. So who knows if it would be any better 
you know, as a rookie quarterback with growing pains, knowing that you're getting love going in the right direction now, uh, where I think they, they all are exhaling in Green Bay saying, okay, we don't have to go look for a quarterback and kind of start this process over again. We can continue on. Uh, and the team they beat in Kansas City, I think that was a monster week for LaFleur, for Jordan, and for Green Bay. Yeah, it's a measuring stick opponent, right? We all have this when you get ready to call a game or something, Dad. Usually, and I do this for college all the time, I want to see what a team looked like when they played against a known commodity, right? A team who we believe is going to be someone who's there at the end or someone who you at least trust the way they're built. Kansas City's one of those teams where they might not be the best version of themselves right now, but that's a grown-up football team. Great coach, Hall of Fame quarterback, top five defense in the NFL right now, and you're absolutely right. Matt LaFleur has had these guys ready, and remember, it's a young group they lost David Bakhtiari on that offensive line very early in this season for the rest of the year and have had to shuffle parts around that group they didn't have Christian Watson fully healthy for the first portion of the season and all Matt LaFleur has done is not only help his quarterback continue to acclimate to this process and look like the future answer there but keep the momentum going from last year from a young group of skilled players that kind of got trial by fire were the subject of a lot of ire and now appear to be part of the solution on that team so you're absolutely right Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of credit for the job that he's done with the Green Bay Packers let's get to this week save the date dad which team needed the win the most whether they got it or not and speaking of the green bay packers jordan love made no bones about it a guy who got his first ever nfl start against the kansas city chiefs on the road said this one he had been looking forward to for a long time yeah, it's huge um you know for me personally it's just obviously i've had this game you know circled for a long time it's my first start um, obviously didn't play how I wanted to the first game. So being able to see these guys again and, and get the victory is huge. Um, you know, this is a great team win tonight. Um, you know, everybody just balled out. And, Dad, you can certainly understand that from a personal standpoint for him. For everything we talked about as a checkup for the Packers, it was also a huge feather in the cap of Jordan Love for his progress as a player. Spags blitzed the ever-loving hell out of him in that first matchup because he was a rookie going in for Aaron Rodgers. And now this time around, he's a much more mature player who had answers for the things that came his way. And while there is part of that, I don't think he necessarily needed it. We talked going into the weekend. The 49ers, that felt cathartic. Yeah, it wasn't revenge, but that was still something that mattered a lot to that team given the backdrop of last year's NFC Championship and what their goals are this year. The 49ers have always been the bridesmaid. They haven't gotten to be the bride yet under Kyle Shanahan. He carries that boogeyman from his days back with the Atlanta Falcons too. And so I'd imagine for them, this is all about continuing to sharpen the sword in effort of finally getting over the line and winning the Super Bowl in a year where it looks laid out for them right now. I'd have to imagine the 49ers are the overwhelming favorite at this point in the NFL calendar and deservedly so because when fully healthy they are absolutely a weapon of mass destruction so right now you know you're trying to position for the number one seed Philly still has that in the conference as they go to Dallas this week a game I'm really looking forward uh, to calling other games I would look at the San Francisco game again it's not a revenge game but in a private moment for those players in the locker room I think amongst themselves they're going to say see we know we're better than they are or we believe and we show we think we're better than they are and then I think the Lions getting back that one surprised us with the loss but maybe not so much because they lost to Green Bay on Thanksgiving who is on a bit of a run now Uh, but getting back in the win column was big but I'm still going with Green Bay on this one 
Farunita the win at home against Kansas City. Uh, and as you said, I agree, not the Kansas City we're used to, but still, that's Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. And they beat him, and they look better, and Jordan Love is growing. And, and as we talked about, the youngest wide receiver tight ends in the league. So, I mean, it's all going up, arrow up for them as they continue on, and they're continuing on and growing together and winning now at the same time. By the way, if you're circling the uh, gotta-have-it game for the weekend coming up uh, in week 14, you need look no further, as we've talked a lot, uh, whispered about on the show a little bit today, the AFC playoff picture, Buffalo at Kansas City. Feels like a loser-leaves-town match yeah. in a lot of ways. Not that yeah. the Chiefs are at risk of missing the playoffs or anything like that, but we know Patrick Mahomes, no road playoff games, right? This has been a one-way ticket to home field advantage for the right. Chiefs every yep. season that they've made these postseason runs. It's been Arrowhead. We had the Burrowhead saga. All that stuff go on in the past, but that's because they've been there, and right now that looks like they're on their side, a bit of a tenuous grasp on that. And on the Bills' side, Dad, you got to see an opportunity with all these injuries right now. Turnover, right. snake bit you. You're still an incredible potent offense your defense has certainly been decaying physically and so there's that to worry about and contend with but that game is going to be one that falls into this lineup hey circle it on the calendar because if buffalo is going to make a run it's going to have to start with beating a vulnerable kansas city team or i should say as vulnerable a kansas city team as we've seen in quite some time uh get on my back uh award dad the player that's the key to a team's playoff push upcoming here and there's a bunch of interesting names there we've mentioned kyron williams a couple of times on this show because he's a notre dame guy 316 total yards in the last two games he's been sensational for a rams team by no means out of it gonna have an interesting test coming up this weekend too but i just think the job that nico collins did tank dell going down in that texans game is a massive blow to that team they've been an incredible one-two punch we've talked about the holistic approach that the Texans took to revamping that franchise this offseason, exercising some of the demons from the front offense and guys like Jack in front office and guys like Jack Easterby last year. Obviously the D'Amico Ryan's higher, but you've had an offensive line able to protect CJ and wide receivers capable of getting open. And when uh Tank Dell went down, Nico Collins just kept doing the damn thing to the tune yeah. of nine for hundred and ninety one and a touchdown. Yeah, you listen, there are other players out there that are gonna have to be relied on. Uh Isaiah Pacheco you know, for the running attack. But I look, they still have enough other weapons, obviously, with Travis Kelsey, and we'll see. We keep asking which wide receiver steps up, and you have Patrick Mahomes. Gardner Minshew, I think, is another one. Um, I mean, what what he yeah. has been doing, and they're in the playoffs right now. Uh, it, I, I would put him probably second to Nico Collins. You know, because now Nico Collins, the next closest in receptions is about 20 behind. That's Dalton Schultz, the tight end. So it is going to fall on Nico. And it, it, it could affect this team because this team doesn't run well. They average, I think, about 3-7 a rush. So they haven't been really getting off running the ball. It's been Stroud and, and the, the combination of Collins, Dell, and Schultz. And now you lose a big, big part of that. That's really, I think, going to hurt them. So I do think a lot is going to more and more is going to fall on Nico Collins. And oh, by the way, everybody they play is going to know that as well. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So all I'm going to have him circled there. One more, and I want to give a shout-out to Benjamin Solak, who does a great job over at The Ringer, but also writes his hot read column every week for that website as well. And Sam Laporta, the rookie for the Detroit Lions, their tight end, 
right now is on pace for over 900 receiving yards which would be the second best among all rookie tight ends and not far from Kyle Pitts who's got the all-time receiving record for a rookie tight end with 1,026 yards so very much within range there dad we talked about this is a pretty stacked tight end uh, tight end class our guy Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame the Las Vegas Raiders since Antonio (laughs) Pierce took over finally remembered he existed and you can throw him the football Dalton Kincaid for the Buffalo Bills was their first round pick and so there's been a bunch of these guys but Sam Laporta as of late as advertised for a team that let TJ Hawkinson walk into the division over to the uh, Minnesota Vikings needed to hit on that and absolutely did Uh, dad let's give some love to a team that uh, might be forgotten or a player that might be forgotten given the season those guys are all going to have their day in the sun because they're on teams that are going to be contending for the playoffs let's get to the don't you forget about me Uh, the best player on a team that's under 500 right now and easy dad this seems like the Mike Evans special he extended his own record for consecutive 1,000 yard receivings in the NFL to 10 (laughs) I thought a lot about this dad when you look at the list of quarterbacks outside of Tom Brady that have thrown him the football over the years it's not quite deandre hopkins with the houston texans because Jameis winston is a talented quarterback he was able to push the ball downfield but it's definitely an adventure and more of an adventure than you would expect for a guy with this kind of career resume point that we just mentioned mike you mentioned 10 years at a thousand yards you know how many years he's been in the league 10 he's been doing this since his rookie year since his rookie year, which he had 1,051 yards, he has been over 1,000 yards. He has 91 touchdowns, basically at least nine touchdowns a year. The dude is incredible. I mean, he just keeps going and going. A big guy, you can count on him to get the reception, get the yards. For his career, he's averaging almost 15 and a half yards a catch. So it's not a guy who's just catching the short ball, you know, and getting eight, nine yards. I mean, it is amazing what he is doing, the career that he has had that I am with you. Not a lot of people recognize at times. It's kind of an, oh, yeah, look what the hell Mike Evans is doing. Wow. And it is wow. It is. And I mean, the guy, you know, I know wide receivers are a crowded position and it tends to take a while. Mike Evans, a Hall of Famer, like he's he's going to be in there at some. point. Yes. It's just, you know, with that position in particular, it takes so long for that to happen. We kind of saw that with T.O., even though that was a little complicated by some other things. But in some very rarefied air is Mike Evans. He was one of the most frustrating parts for me of that Johnny Manziel untold documentary when they were talking about the Texas A&M teams that Manziel was on and talking about how, oh man, look at all this stuff Johnny did. I was like, they had some dudes on that team. Why are we just ignoring all of the talented players that happen to be on that Texas A&M team? Mike Evans included. So uh, congratulations to him on an incredible career milestone. Dad, let's uh, avert our eyes for one last superlative here. This got to be the Patriots Chargers game, right? Avert your eyes, the toughest watch oh. of week 13. That game between the weather, between the offensive lack of performance. I will give a shout out, though. You want to talk about someone that's being left behind on a sub 500 team? The Patriots in this last three games, not giving up more than 10 points in three straight yeah. games and losing yep. every single one of them. We gave some love to the Jets yesterday on defense for what they've been able to do in the face of adversity, where their quarterbacks don't even want to go back out there and play for the team. They've been 
been so bad. The Patriots have been abject dreck. It's been a disaster. And all this defense has done is respond by tightening the screws and doing everything humanly possible. This has been a couple of years, by the way, of the yeah, Pats defense yeah. having to try and buoy an otherwise disaster of an offense. So salute to those guys, man. They dealt with a bunch of key injuries very early on in the season. Christian Gonzalez, their rookie first round pick among them. And they've responded by going out there and doing absolutely everything they can to give them a chance to win. And and we always talk about, I certainly do as a former defensive player, you have an excellent defense and you're going to be in every game. And New England can do that. But this offense is just so bad. It just goes to show what happens when you miss on a first-round quarterback. And it's another team that missed and haven't really helped themselves around that uh, to this point. On, on how bad they are. And then the Chargers still are, Mike, are the most underachieving team because you sit there and list off the assets that they have and cannot believe that there is, is, is futile on offense as they are. Again, give credit to the New England defense, but that just absolutely blows my mind. So, yeah, I don't think there's anywhere outside of the, the Patriots and, and, it, and because you throw in the Chargers only putting up six, what, six points in this one, that this was just an absolutely awful, awful game. It's such a weird departure, Dad, because remember for so long, and I understand it was with a different staff and it's a much smaller sample size, but you always think back during the Belichick era, even with Brady, his calling card was making it work. The year Brady goes down with the knee injury, all they do is win 11 games with Matt Castle under center and propel him to future riches. You have Tom Brady go down and you've got Jimmy Garoppolo winning games. You had the Jacoby Brissett game in there that helped launch his career when he was one of the backups in New England. Like They were always able to find a way to make it work with these guys. I don't know if there's ever been a bigger lose-lose than Josh McDaniels leaving the nest in New England. Every time he's there, you seem to be able to cobble something yep. together and every time he leaves not only do they suffer but Josh McDaniels away from New England loses all his superpowers and turns into a pumpkin so here's the question do we think Bill Belichick is gone that they'll mutually part ways and he'll end up somewhere else or do we think he brings the band back again does Josh McDaniels end up back in New England again where Bill O'Brien is the OC. They actually have an offensive coordinator this year who has been an offensive guy instead of whatever the hell they tried the other year. Uh, but you wonder, if Bill is coming back, would Josh McDaniels come back as well as the quarterback? Because he ain't going to get a head coaching job anywhere. He is not getting a head coaching job again in the NFL, I don't believe. I've always said maintain this season. Bill's going to go out on his terms, but I think it has to be his terms somewhere else now there's no way if you're bob Kraft, you can justify bringing it back with how lost it's looked. it hasn't looked bad yeah. they've looked lost out there well, on the I field agree. in new england and then to compound that with josh mcdaniels who's coming off of the shame of everything that went on in las vegas and how much better they've looked without him optic shouldn't judge ultimately govern everything about a decision but it'd be really hard to sell that to a fan base and use that as a reason for them to want to come back out and watch Patriots football in 2024. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold.
Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. How about we check in with some Super Bowl odds right here? So here's who DraftKings thinks has the best shot at winning it all this season through 13 weeks. So biggest change in odds, guys, as you look at this from the start of the season belongs to the Dolphins. So they were plus 2,500 before week one to now plus 650, third best odds to win it all. Above them, you got the Eagles at plus 550, 49ers at plus 310. So, guys, feel free to discuss this, okay? Who, like, let's talk ceilings, let's talk floors. Do we think there's going to be any big changes here in this group at the top? Hmm. Yeah, this is really interesting to consider, Deb. We were just mentioning this off air. This feels like the opposite of college football season where – Right now in the college football playoff, we got four teams that could absolutely all win a national championship. It is accessible to everybody because there's no one great team in college football this year. There's a bunch of very right. good teams, but all of them have flaws. The NFL's got one great team right now. It's got the San Francisco 49ers. I could argue on their best day, the Baltimore Ravens are probably pretty close in terms of what they present in potency on both sides of the football. But I think the 49ers have showed in their most high-profile matchups this year, there's a gap when healthy between them and the rest of the NFL to where I think their floor and their ceiling are both very high, Dad. Like, you look at what that team's capable of, I'd be stunned. You're getting close to, like, barring... Again, it's always barring injury, but barring injury... That feels like a put-in pen in the NFC Championship at the very least yeah. is the floor for yeah. that team based on what we've seen in big moments. Mike, I would say two, four, six teams have a legitimate shot to win the Super Bowl. I would go the, the six and the list. 49ers, Eagles, Dolphins, Chiefs, Cowboys, Ravens. I would stop then. The next teams would be like the Jaguars, the Lions in that area. But I would stop at Baltimore. Given the best chance, I, th- I think, to the, the 49ers complete are complete, are just that. And oh, by the way, remember, they added Chase Young, who was you know, just revived uh, in San Francisco. Um, I, w- I would have the Eagles next from the floor ceiling standpoint. I think I might, I, I don't know, am I sleeping on Miami? I did pick Miami to win that division. I love them offensively. Um, but but I'm wondering if I would put Chiefs, Cowboys, Ravens as a higher ceiling above them, mainly the Cowboys because of the way Dak is playing right now and what a monster matchup we have with Philadelphia going to the Cowboys when the Cowboys are playing their best ball right now. The Chiefs are still led by the best quarterback in the game in Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, and, and the Ravens have just a phenomenal defense and a quarterback who can change the game on a dime. Um, so I do think it stops there. I don't know if you have any other teams that you think can win, but I think the 49ers as a whole, and, and, and again, we can never predict injury, but if they are whole going into the playoffs, 
man, it's hard to see anybody stop them. They just seem so complete at this point. Yeah, I, I was just going to say all of the complaining that we heard from the 49ers after last year's NFC Championship game feels a little more justified after this last yeah. weekend. Like, <laughs> they're, out, they're out here whooping people's asses. So I, I do think it's a drop-off there. And I think with the Eagles now, right, we're invited to ask questions. They announced the signing of Shaq Leonard before the Cowboys game as the right. former Colts yep. linebacker had visited both teams. So I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to be on the field for this one, if they're going to be able to get him up to speed that quickly or whatever. But at the very least, a little bit awkward in there, but sort of an acknowledgement also, as we've seen, Howie Roseman having to tinker with this roster towards the back half of the season. Like, we all looked at that Kevin Byard signing at the trade deadline and did that he can't keep getting away with this stuff, but now as we look up at it, it's more, oh no, these are crimes of necessity right now because the Eagles this offseason let some players in important positions walk, especially in that linebacker room, and are kind of having to pay for it on the other side now for, and again, part of it's injury, right? You expected N'Kobe Dean to be out there, Zach Cunningham also dealing with some injury stuff and so you're having your depth tested in a way but part of that is also like hey maybe your plan a at those positions as you had to account for finally paying the quarterback wasn't exactly as dialed in as it should have been and so there's kind of been an acknowledgement for both of those teams that we've also seen get bodied by the best team in the nfc the best team in football yeah, yeah. that stick in our craw uh, let me put it this way dad who do you have more confidence at this point philadelphia has the head-to-head win but as you get set to call this one who would you be in favor of? Who would you favor right now between Dallas and the Eagles? I think Dallas is playing better now, but m- maybe much like San Francisco, when Philadelphia, if and when they get healthy and get their players back, because with linebackers being down, they've been susceptible in the middle of the field. So in, in this one, again, as I get ready to call it, look for Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson, the first time they played, had seven catches for just under 100 yards and one touchdown then. Now, Philly, and and Philly's also been hurting in the secondary a bit. Now they're hurting a linebacker. So could Jake have another one of those games in the middle of the field against Philadelphia? Because they still have to worry about CeeDee Lamb, you know, on the outside. So they can be a little susceptible there. So I would say at this point, the Cowboys have been playing better. And some of that has to do with injury, just like we saw when San Francisco lost three in a row. No Trent Williams, no Debo Samuel, and how it can affect the team. So can Philly get healthy by the time they need to? But if Dallas pulls this one off at home this weekend, all of a sudden they're both 10-3 and three in, the, in the top of that division, and they split for the season. So then it is a race to the end of the year to see who wins that division. I will say that one's a fascinating matchup, too. You mentioned Jake Ferguson, but the other day when we talked to Emmett Smith on this program about the difference, he said Mike McCarthy's opened up the offense a little more. Last time Philly and the Dallas Cowboys played, Brandon Cooks, one reception for two yards in the – or excuse me, one reception on two targets for seven yards in that game. Since then, 173 yards, 42 yards, 72 yards, 45 yards, three touchdowns in that time span as well. He's become a much bigger part of that offense. He's a guy that you can certainly have affect multiple areas of the field. So it is one that as that secondary in the middle of the field have become a concern, that's the kind of value add that all of a sudden makes you wonder at this juncture. And we know the other side, the Eagles rushing attack versus Dallas and the yeah. rushing defense that we've seen be a problem problem still at times could absolutely be a bad matchup but that Dallas offense looks like it's ready to make the Eagles hurt in all the wrong places 
And let me just say this again. It's amazing how everything's quieted down about Mike McCarthy. That's the one thing I get a little tired of in the media is how quickly people want somebody fired. And everybody's been after Mike McCarthy's job for a bit. And boy, he's been he's been doing the job this year, right? And all of a sudden, things get a little quiet around him when all of a sudden your quarterback isn't throwing 15 interceptions. Remember, remember, Coaches don't throw interceptions. Coaches don't fumble the ball. Coaches don't miss tackles. Players do that. And Dak had a turnover issue last year that he doesn't. Uh, last year that he doesn't have this year. If you want to blame McCarthy for that, okay. I'm still going to put it more on the players who have to execute on the field. But yeah, I got awfully quiet about Mike McCarthy saying he should be gone as a head coach, which which it should be quiet well, because he's doing a heck of, of a job. I think some. I think some of the appropriate criticisms for Mike McCarthy are more long-term. Like, this is still, what, the either the most or the second most penalized team in all of football, which yep. usually falls under the coach's purview when that happens. We've still seen end-of-half, end-of-game Mike McCarthy struggling managing certain situations that ultimately fall under the purview of the head coach. And a little bit different this year now that he's back as the offensive play caller. There's more on your plate. But I think there are apt criticisms there for a guy who also isn't new. I think this is... Mike McCarthy's baggage from the end of Green Bay always right. following him in a place like Dallas where you're going to get an outsized amount of control. Very quickly, Dad, the, the Lions and the Jags that we talked about as the two teams that we learned a lot about. Lions find a way on the road in a game they probably should have yeah. won by more. Jags stub their toe big time at home. It seems like teams trending in wildly different directions after this week. Well, and we have to wait and see what we hear about Trevor Lawrence. You know, if he, miss, if he misses a couple of weeks, you know, we'll see. Uh, in that division, they're only a loss one one loss ahead of Indianapolis at this point. And if they lose Trevor for a couple of weeks, that could change the landscape. And I like Detroit, the two-headed monster in the backfield. Sam Laporta has been phenomenal as a rookie tight end, how they're going at him. You have Amon St. Uh, St. Brown uh, as well and what he's done at receiver. So I do like their potential out there for sure. There's a lot of potential. They are the one that feels like ceiling and floor are the farthest apart where – I absolutely think they're going to be a playoff team this year, but I could also see them losing very early, or we've seen they've yeah. got enough talent offensively to maybe even make a run to something like the NFC Championship if it hits right for them, but that team feels like there's a big gulf between what's possible and what's not there. Gojo and Golik, there are 43 total bowl games. So let's talk about that. That that includes two college football playoff semifinals, national championship game on January 8th, of course. But I want to talk about some of the better bowl game names. Yes. In my opinion that I found. So these are my favorite three when I was just scrolling through. Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. I like that one. Um, Famous Idaho Potato Bowl, because I just think it's funny that these potatoes are so famous because they're from Idaho. And then avocados from Mexico curable. So just like, okay. And then, uh, so obviously we always have some great names, but we got to also talk about the Duke's Mayo Bowl trolling Gojo. Gojo, that was hysterical. I watched the video. I mean, like there's a photo of you. It's, it's actually so funny. So let's just take a look at it. Welcome to the Duke's Mayo Bowl house. As we prepare for Selection Sunday, we're going to go over the do's and don'ts for the teams rushing our sorority. Follow me. <laughs> but he loves mayo. We don't date jocks. 
thanks y'all for visiting the Deuce Mayo Bowl House. Remember, we can only select you if you're an ACC, SEC, or Notre Dame. But he loved mayo. That's your legacy. Yeah, what a buy, Mike. I was bamboozled. I was told that that picture was going to be used to be the likeness for a statue that was going to go outside of the stadium ah. for the bowl game for my contribution to Mayo culture and the Duke's Mayo Bowl in general. I have been bamboozled, run amok, yep. led astray by people I thought were my friends and cared about me and instead used me to shamelessly promote their bowl game by slandering my good name in a very, very clever campaign using the sorority culture that's been very popular on TikTok. The Duke's Mayo Bowl really does not miss. Can I ask you a question that if now they asked you for a picture, obviously, and in, in the position you are, they you, did you represent statue. certain things. So, you know, you're, they're asked for sometimes we get asked for our bios or for a photo. Anytime you're asked for that, do you automatically send a picture of you with hair? <laughs> Well, I like to send that picture because I look like what if overweight high school Jesus decided to walk on and check, try out the football team? Like, I don't know if we've got just the still of that photo, but they are luscious locks. It is a glorious beard. That was me in my absolute prime. I was coming off a time in high school where at my Catholic high school, we weren't allowed to have hair that touched your collar. So I had short hair and I couldn't wear a long beard. And so I got to college and did the normal teenager thing, which is rebel against everything that I had been told I needed to do before and turn myself into fat Jesus. So that's why I use that particular photo. God, bare arms, no no tattoos. What a simple time yeah. for yet. That um, young also, Mike. I just want to point out this thing that Catholic schools do. A, a tweet about this went viral earlier this year. It was like, Catholic schools be like, no long hair on boys. And then there's a picture of the main boy everywhere and he has long hair. It was Jesus. 100%. Main boy was out there with the flowing locks, and for some reason we can we're supposed to emulate him everywhere and else. We are literally supposed to be built in the likeness of God if you believe that book. And yet we cannot even wear our hair in the likeness of that man. Tell me how make it make sense, Dad. But but Jesse, it was amazing in high school how they had to keep their hair short. Then when both of them got to school, man, they grew it out. You saw Mike's there. Jake grew, grew his long as well. They were like rebelling off that rule and said, we're just going to do it and see how it is for a while until you realize all that hair under a helmet in August and September isn't the best thing in the world uh, for you. And you kind of, after you rebel for a little bit, you kind of find your, your line. Unfortunately, Mike, for you, the line was found for you. Sorry. I'll tell you what, though, it, to that end, and I can tell you this, fellas, if you're going off to college and you're, you're thinking about doing this, especially if you play football and you're like, man, the hair out of the back of the helmet's a great look. I'm going to beard it up and all this. If even Chris Hemsworth looks better with shorter hair, fellas, you ain't the one. Every single one of my friends, so many of them offensive linemen who decided to go to college with the lettuce leaking out of the back of the helmet or the big, long, grizzly beard – all looked way less ugly once we cut our hair so it's gonna feel good at the time it's a rite of passage yeah. and you're gonna come out on the other side and wonder how you lived that way for so long
I can so we, we that. sit here. Yeah. And you are right. I agree with you. And, and we sit there and look at all the bowl games. I, I have a bowl name for that. I think is the best bowl. But I mean, you've got cricket celebration bowl. You've got, as Jesse mentioned, avocados from Mexico cure bowl. You've got the Starco brands bowl, Radiance Technology Independence bowl, famous toastery bowl. I mean, the names of bowl games are amazing. But if I oh. am, if I am twenty one, older than twenty one or older. I am happy as hell to go to the, is, is it pronounced Isleta or Isleta? I'm going to go Isleta, New Mexico Bowl, which is New Mexico State and Fresno State. Because people are saying, what is Isleta? Isleta is a resort and casino. So if I'm 21 or older, a senior on that team or 21 or older, and I want my gift bag that you get at everyone, I want it just filled with chips. Just give me chips, baby, because I can legally gamble. Put us up in the resort, in the casino, and let us have at it. You've also got Starco Brands LA Bowl hosted by Gronk. That should be a pretty good time. Oh, my God. What a party. Honestly, yeah. Basically, just Gronk Beach became a bowl game from the Super Bowl. Sign me up for that one. Uh, Dad, I'm sure that's exactly what the NCAA wants, is more college (laughs) kids with close, ready proximity to gambling. The state of Iowa should just, it should be Iowa versus Iowa State in that bowl game. And we should let them fight. And so all of this true. happening because we have 43 total bowl games this season, including the obviously college football playoff semifinals mixed in that as well. I, for one, am happy to see the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl back in. It is now the Bad Boy Molars Pinstripe Bowl in New York. It was formerly the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Shout out to my guys in the Shroff and Roddy Jones, the original Bad Boy Mowers, the only bowl game that would just put full-on riding mowers down on the sideline of the field. I don't know how that's going to yeah. work in December in New York. But God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Dad, I did want to let you know because we'll have plenty of time to get into the matchups. And there are some really yeah, good yeah. ones when we talk about the yeah. New Year's Six matchups. Florida State and Georgia in the Factory of Sadness Bowl. Ohio State, Missouri in the Cotton Bowl. No clue who's going to be the quarterback for the Buckeyes at this point. Oregon versus Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl, which I'd imagine that's going to not probably be a great time for Liberty against that Oregon team. Unless, you know, yeah. Bonix might not be yeah. playing at that point. We never know. That's kind of the, the tough part about all this. Notre Dame and Oregon State playing in the Sun Bowl. Great matchup on paper, but unfortunately, DJ not going to be there anymore. Jonathan Smith, their coach, not gone. For Notre Dame, we're not sure what the opt-out situation looks like yet, but how we got there is a a great reminder that college football's entire system is nonsense. Everything about college football is nonsense. There has never been anybody running or or in charge of this sport, and quite honestly, I was talking about this yesterday. Um, Shout out to the College Football Now podcast, CFSM. College football probably in the future, if it were ever going to try and remedy situations like we saw with Florida State this weekend, would need someone full-time. People always advocated for NFL to make full-time referees. College football probably needs people full-time in charge of this, not just a part-time committee of people trying to decide the fate of the sport on a whim once we hit November. And that is nowhere more reflected than this, Dad. So when FSU got snubbed, it delayed the bowl process. Every bowl's got contracts with certain conferences throughout the year. And when you have this trickle-down of Florida State not making the CFP, it moves everyone down the rung on those contracts. And a lot of the ACC contracts will include a clause that also includes Notre Dame. And so... The prolonged process ended with this, and Stuart Mandel over at SI wrote this article, uh, I believe, uh, or this is in The Athletic, but the prolonged process delayed selections for the conference's next tier of bowl games, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, and the Sun Bowls in El Paso. 
the process for all three bowls, they submitted their top teams. Notre Dame was their top choice for all of them because as we found out with the Sun Bowl, that game sold out in 24 hours because Notre Dame moves paper. Per an ACC official, the league followed its prescribed process for placing these teams in the bowl games by having its attorney write each bowl's name on a piece of paper and drawing it out of a hat. That is the scientific process that college football operated by here. We wrote the names down on a paper and we picked them out like we were doing a white elephant party at Christmas. Yeah. You know what, though? That sounds about right for the NCAA. It sounds about right for the dreck of leadership that there is in the NCAA that that's how they produce this. And I'm quite honestly, I'm glad they got the Sun Bowl, not the Pinstripe Bowl. You and I called the Pinstripe Bowl one year. Wonderful at Yankee Stadium in New York, but cold as hell. Don't need that, even though it was cold last time you guys played in the Sun Bowl. So glad people are so worried about protecting the sanctity of these bowl games for player opt-outs as we write on paper. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. All right, time to get to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, the DraftKings YouTube channel that you should be subscribed to for all of the great content from the members of our DraftKings Network here. And, of course, you can get us uh, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, wherever you get it. And if you missed any of the show, Apple Podcasts, it's available right here on YouTube as soon as we get done live each and every day. And speaking of great content, you can also get the Vegas Stats and Information Network's new college football bowl guide is here, and it is free to DraftKings players. You're going to get picks for every side and total made by broadcasting legend Brent Musburger, VEASAN analyst Steve Mackinan, as well as my dad and myself. We went out here and yep. threw our hat into the ring for this one in the last couple of days. You're going to get previews of the college football playoff semifinals, need to know trends, strategies, so much more. Just go to VEASAN.com. That's V-S-I-N.com slash bowl guide to download your free guide today get yourself right for bowl season but dad as we get to this that and third one name that you will not be seeing during bowl season now on the alabama roster will be tyler buckner the former quarterback for the crimson tide and former notre dame fighting irish quarterback was one of the names that was entered into the transfer portal but not for football 
Tyler Buckner, one-time great high school lacrosse, lacrosse player, and ironically enough, as the tie gets set to today's Michigan, former Michigan lacrosse commit, entered his name in the portal, and it is the understanding that he is intending, uh, according to Terry Foy, uh, Terry Foy, a uh, great college lacrosse reporter, that Buckner will finish the football season with the Bama team and then intends to return to Notre Dame, where he will join the defending national champion Notre Dame lacrosse team with one of his first loves. Incredible prodigal son story from Tyler Buckner could you imagine so he's a quarterback at Notre Dame and then he's uh gets a shot to be the quarterback at Alabama unfortunately didn't work out but he's on the team he could win a national championship there and then he's going to go back to Notre Dame and lacrosse to where he will now join the defending national champs he could in consecutive years get a national championship ring in football and then one in lacrosse if Notre Dame went back to back and oh by the way if he's there watching a Notre Dame game and some travesty happens on the field where we lose a couple of quarterbacks, you know, just hit the old right arm and point up into the stands. Let him run down to the stands, go put on a uniform and help out at the quarterback position just because. I was going to say, the Notre Dame football and lacrosse pipeline remains so strong. My former teammate, yeah. Will Yateman, was a two-sport athlete at Notre Dame. You've had guys like Nick Osello in the past go from lacrosse to football. As recently this year as Jordan Faison, the wide receiver, who started off as a scholarship lacrosse player, ended up the end of the season as a scholarship football player who's still going to be playing lax in the spring, I'd imagine. And so all of this is just perfect harmony, uh, and you'll love to see it again. So Tyler Buckner got a chance to double dip right now. Uh, in a way that's got to be very exciting for him. Looking forward to it. Welcome home in advance, Tyler. We're happy to have you back on campus here. Enjoy getting to go over and hang out at Arlotta. Let's get to that, Jesse, as uh, we're in Shohei season, in the MLB offseason, which means it's pitch season, which means some people are getting creative, including one sandwich shop in San Francisco. Yeah, so Shohei could allegedly make a decision by the end of the week. So we have a San Francisco uh, sandwich shop making a unique pitch here. So Ike's Loving Sandwiches is offering to change its name if Otani signs with the Giants. So he said if he's wearing a Giants uniform in 2024, Ike's Love and Sandwiches will be renamed to Shohei's Love and Sandwiches in a move that I'm sure is definitely going to move the needle for Shohei Otani. Well, I Shohei, mean, and also... Let's eat at Ike's. So you saw Kevin Durant get free Ike's for life when he signed with the Warriors. And then we offered an Aaron Judge sandwich and free Ike's for life to Aaron Judge. And we know how that one turned out. And so for you, Shohei, I'm going to one-up this. If you sign with the San Francisco Giants, not only will we design a sandwich together and you'll get free Ike's for life, but instead of Ike's loving sandwiches, I'm going to rename it to Shohei's love and sandwiches. Senior, you're ready to just go ahead, go in, well, go in on this. Listen, to me, uh, signing for Food for Life would be good for me. One of the first deals when, when we were doing Mike and Mike, one of the first ones we had was Subway. And I remember telling my agent, have them pay me. Give me, give me a gold. Give me that big time Subway card. Give me the card where I get free Subway. I don't want cash. My agent's like, hell no. 10% of a sandwich is no good. It's better than, it's better than 10% of the money. I'm like, give me that card. That's all I want. So that would sway me. But this deal, Mike, kind of sounds like uh, the Machine Gun Kelly. Hey, Travis Kelsey, I'll give you 500 grand to go to leave Kansas City and go play for Cleveland, even though you signed like a 57, 60 million dollar deal. I don't think this is going to cut it for Shohei. 
It would be funny, though, if Shohei, for like reasons not associated with this, still ended up in San Francisco and then all of a sudden came to collect. Because I don't think this guy is counting <laughs> on this actually happened. This is yeah. great pub for him right now. He's going to have a couple days of shows like this, running with the story, getting his name out there, viral social media marketing, all the stuff. I want to see him actually have to make good on this because it looks like this is that guy's name. Like, he appears to be Ike. And so if that's the case... Then all of a sudden, now having to put Shohei up there, wonder how that one goes over. Probably would still be good for business, but I just want to see him actually have to do it because yeah. I don't think he's going to. I want to. Shohei to show up with his little dog like, all right, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Change the name. Looking on the Ike <laughs> social media page, and by the way, that's a great call. Shohei's dog does need to be at the press conference. This needs to be like Nike Bill Belichick's dog where he doesn't do any more appearances without him. One-time dra- NFL draft yep. star, Nike uh, Nike Belichick. Um, looking at the Ike's Twitter account, though, they really leaned into the social media stuff. They did Ike's version as a Taylor Swift ode there. They did Mike's Spotify rap list at the end of the year. So on the cutting edge as far as sandwich shops, which is maybe not mm-hmm. always what I'd expect from a guy with a soul patch, but everyone's allowed to defy the expectations every once in a while. Let's get to the third. We've talked a lot about the transfer portal today for football players. Jesse, apparently the transfer portal also open for actors. Yeah, so apparently oh Nicolas God, Cage just discovered, like, television. Uh, he <laughs> He's starred in over 100 movies. He just did an interview with Uproxx where he basically was like, yeah, episodic television. Like, I just saw Breaking Bad, and now I think, like, I want to stop doing movies and get into TV. And I feel like, you know reasons the reasons behind all of this because he's been in a lot of movies lately you remember he had to like file for bankruptcy a few years back he was buying like dinosaur skulls and stuff like that and like he just basically went broke and now he's like yeah so i've done hundreds of movies and now here i am ready to to make the move to television which cracks me up because he's talking about it like he literally just discovered that there's tv And dad, this seems like it would be right up your alley because for someone that can, my, anyone yeah. unaware, my dad consumes more television than any person that's ever been born or ever will be born. If you've seen it, he's already seen every season of it and three movies that have come with it along the way. My dad, I think, is still watching seasons of Hell on Wheels that weren't released to the public. And so, Dad, a Nicolas Cage-led show feels right up your alley, especially given the kind of movies that he's made over the years. Oh, and and I watch them all. The Rock, he was in. uh, Sean McConnery. I I, I love Con Air. If if I'm flipping channels and I go by Armageddon or Con Air, I'm there. I know Armageddon's obviously not a Nick Cage movie, but that's one of the movies I stop at. I stop at Con Air as well because I love hearing Nick Cage's uh, accent in that that movie. Uh, But I stop and watch it all the time. But I, I love what he said. He said, I've seen things that can be done now with characters on TV and they're given time to express themselves. He said, I saw Brian Cranston stare at a suitcase for an hour one episode on Breaking Bad. We don't have time to do that in a feature film. So maybe television is the best next step for me. So, hey, he's trying to diversify. One thing he says I will agree with as you get older and and you like to do it. He said the one thing about doing TV, episodic TV, is you get to basically stay in one place. And he said I'd like to be around family more. You know, where a a movie, you got to fly to different places. So he does like that about it. But you're right, Jesse and Mike. It it does seem like he just found out what TV is and said, oh, yeah, you know what? I might want to try that now. Yeah, he's a, he said he's, he's a student also, and he's learned so much from movies, but maybe he has something left to learn from TV. 
He said, I don't know if I have anything else to learn in cinema. Nicolas Cage has yes. maxed out cinema. He's got everything that you could possibly want out of that. Ah. Nothing more that you could teach Nicolas Cage. Master of the silver screen here. And again, we could all joke, I'm a watch. If Nick Cage is on a TV show, I'm a watch. We hope you feel the same way about watching us each and every day. If you do, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow.